What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease. It's Tuesday, October 20th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Coronavirus case counts continue to rise in many places as the country fights to contain the spread. But throughout the pandemic, there have been some bright spots in states' responses. President Trump gave states the opportunity to call their own shots, and some have been more successful than others. Speaking to public health experts and officials, Politico has a list of which states had the best pandemic response, whether it's fighting the virus, managing the economic fallout, or getting kids back to school. Tucker Doherty, healthcare reporter at Politico, joins us for Who Did It Best. Thanks for joining us, Tucker. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about the response to the pandemic from all of the states in the country. When President Trump, at the beginning of this, really decided to delegate the pandemic response to the states, let them call their own shots. They know their states the best. Every state has different characteristics that require different things to act on. So some states really acted aggressively to contain COVID-19. Others didn't have the same approach. There at Politico, you guys compiled a list of, of which states were doing the best, and you put it into three different categories, how they were fighting the virus, specifically managing the economic fallout, And then schools, how to reopen the schools and get kids back to in-person instruction. So let's start uh, talking about the response to fighting the virus. One of the states that you said that did a really good job there was Vermont. Uh, Tell us how they handled their response. Vermont, as you may know, it's, it's right next door to a lot of states that got hit early on. And they did record some early cases and death already in, in late March and April. And so they were definitely at risk of getting hit hard, just like other states nearby, like New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts. 
you know, when we interviewed, we, we interviewed their health commissioner, we've interviewed some academics, researchers, things like that. There wasn't so much a single secret sauce or some trick they did. A lot of it is just that they listened to the health experts they had in the state. They took a cautious approach and they didn't really make politicized assumptions. So one of the things that came up a lot in our reporting was, as you may remember from March and April, it was New York City that was hit hard first. There were also some cases in the Seattle area. And so there was this sense that some people had early on that this wasn't going to be something that affected everyone, that this might be an urban problem or it might be some specific issue with New York subway system or something like that. And I think what stands out about Vermont's approach is that they were never complacent. They didn't say just because they had a rural population or just because they weren't seeing a huge wave at first, they didn't assume it wasn't going to hit them. So like many other states, they at first had a fairly strict lockdown. You know, they closed a lot of businesses, closed schools, and they've been very cautious at what they choose to reopen, when they reopen it. They wait for things to seem safe enough. They wait for their health experts to say this activity, you know, opening the outdoor areas of dining is safe now. And another aspect of it, and I think this is crucial just because, as I mentioned, they had neighbors that were hard hit, is that they were also willing to have policies that make it so that when people came from out of state, from places that were experiencing spikes of the virus, they asked people to quarantine. They asked people to either stay at home for two weeks or if that was something that was too difficult for some people, they also let people take a test after a week of arriving. Now, some other states have done that. New York did that as well. Vermont has also just sort of been more stringent with that. So, for example, with New York, they have a similar travel policy, but they said if you're from a state that has 10 new infections per 100,000 residents, uh, you need to quarantine yourself. Vermont was twice as strict as that. They said five per 100,000 residents. The other aspect of Vermont's travel restrictions is that they were sort of very specific about wanting to know where the virus is. So it wasn't just by state, it was even by county. So if you're a Vermont resident and you traveled right over the border into some counties in neighboring New York or, or New Hampshire and so forth, if those counties were having a spike, even if the state as a whole was looking fine on the statistics, they recognized, hey, if you're in an area with high spread, there's a chance you're going to bring it back. At the same time, they're aware that it's a trade-off with business, with people's willingness to withstand lockdown. And their, their governor, Phil Scott, he's a former business owner himself, and he's been very in touch with the business owners there. And I think what they recognize is that no matter what you're telling people they need to do, you need people to be willing to listen. You need them to comply. And so you need to be flexible in your approach. You need to give people an out, you know, if there's some sane way of still enjoying some of the normal activities of life without keeping everything shut down forever. And so overall, they've been able to both keep cases very low and keep deaths very low, but also their economy is looking pretty good right now. Their unemployment as of August was, I think, 4.5 or 4.8%, which is just as good as many of the states that resisted lockdown. So I, I think in a lot of ways. And even on the numbers, as you were mentioning, you know, they had fewer than 60 people died from it there. So Definitely really good on the numbers on that one. I did want to move through a few of these other ones as well. Seattle 
kind of became a little success story after initially really being where the first case was, the first big outbreak at the Life Care Center of Kirkland. You know, it was a big problem at that nursing home, but they turned it around after that. Uh, as they started learning, they put a lot of aid towards nursing homes and caring for the people there, and they were able to really turn around those numbers. The number one thing you can say about what Washington State did right is that they were not only fast, there were a lot of places that were fast, but they were coordinated. So when it came to having mayors and governors on the same track, instead of holding competing press conferences and disagreeing with each other, they let health officials lead their messaging rather than elected officials. Often when you put an elected official in front of the mic, they might slip or they might say something that a public health official wouldn't say in the, in the same place. And they also made sure that they were coordinating across the state government between different agencies, the health department, the housing department. So, for example, when they started to see an uptick in cases on the homeless populations in the area, first of all, they were able to catch it really quickly. And then they were able to direct resources to it and sort of nip it in the bud. And you're right, they had that first outbreak in the nursing homes and and they were sort of the case study for the nation as a whole to learn that that was one of the the sort of the soft underbelly of our response was vulnerability in nursing homes. And to their credit, once they recognized that was a problem, they put in rules, they put in resources, and they really made a, a special effort to say, everyone needs to pitch in on this, but there are some places that just need a little more attention. Michigan was also a success story in closing the racial disparities. We've seen how COVID attacks communities of colors in different ways. They set up task force to help with uh, walk-up and pop-up sites for testing. Um, So they really paid attention to their vulnerable populations there. It's important to point out that it's something they improved over time on. If you look at the aggregate stats, they don't necessarily look like a story because they did struggle early on. Their first wave of deaths was way disproportionately African-American. But as you said, they they formed the task force. They, They identified neighborhoods that weren't having enough testing. They recognize, for example, you you hear a lot about drive-in testing sites in states, but a lot of the most vulnerable people don't have a car. And they recognize that some neighborhoods needed an option for people to just walk in on foot. And as you said, they've seen good results. They've essentially closed the disparity. Now, it remains to be seen whether that will always remain the case. And of course, you can't undo the problems they saw early on. But it was definitely something where they were they were responsive and they were focused on the problem. And I think you could argue that really they've made the most progress on that compared to any other state. Let's talk about how some of the states managed the economic fallout. Some standouts were Colorado for taking quick action on unemployment, really uh, fighting a lot of fraud there. Iowa also and uh, Minnesota was uh, pretty good with uh, its unemployment insurance infrastructure. You know, there was a lot of stories about how these systems were decades old, and at least in Minnesota, they weren't bogged down by that type of thing. Right. And I think, I think those are, you know, there, there are multiple parts of that that are important. It's, it's not just the generosity on paper of your benefits. It's how quickly did you get that money to people when they needed it? And like you said, Minnesota is, is a place where sort of the pipes of bureaucracy were well set up and, and they were prepared, you know, whether it was going to be a, a normal recession or in this case, something more severe and unexpected, they were ready to jump into action. And I think that's, that's why you can see on some of the economic front that there was a little bit less pain there just because it wasn't such a headache for people. People weren't fighting over their checks in the same way they were in other states, and they were just ready to adapt. 
opening schools, because this was a problem that a lot of people were dealing with just recently, Rhode Island stood out because the governor there put out basically a statewide plan. They wanted to get everybody on the same page to bring students back for in-person instruction. And then also Florida, because they had a already a robust virtual school program because of, you know, hurricanes, a bunch of disaster things that have happened. They already had that infrastructure set up. So when it came time to kids learning remotely from school, they already had a leg up. I think an important thing to note here is that there are a lot of states that had just across the board mandates, you know, you have to open or you're going to lose funding. Even in Rhode Island, it's sort of they're trying to get all the schools open, but they recognize, hey, maybe some community might not feel safe or might be having a spike. So what works with Rhode Island is that they made sure that they put aside specific resources for K-12 schools. So they have testing sites that if you're a staff member of one of these K-12 schools, you can go there and you're not going to wait at the line or get kicked off a list that you might elsewhere. They deployed the National Guard to help with staffing needs because schools just aren't equipped to take on all of these extra needs. Now, Florida, on the other hand, like you said, it had a system in place. It, it knows it's dealt with hurricanes in the past, so it was prepared for its schools to need to move to this virtual teaching. And, and as any parent from sort of other states in the country can tell you, that can go awry if you don't have the technology and the systems in place. But on the other hand, it, it has been a bit controversial there, you know, among many of the experts that we talked to, that Florida has sort of been so hard line on opening the schools that they've threatened to cut off funding and they've, they've told communities, you know, even if you're experiencing a bad moment, we still want you opening those schools. Now, in their defense, I think schools, you know, a lot of the experts we talked to say schools should be a priority. It's something where you're going to see a lot of harm to kids that you can't necessarily just you know, make up with a summer program or something like that. And so I, I think it's, you know, with a, with a place like Rhode Island, it's a matter of prioritizing, right? You know, are you opening bars and, and closing schools? Um, you know, that's something that's, that's not really going to have good results down the road. On the other hand, if, if you control the virus first and are cautious in reopening and say, hey, schools are really important and we need to open them, uh, so let's get resources there, you might see a bit more success. Well, it's been an interesting road back. I mean, every state has had a different type of plan to do it. Uh, and, you know, some states, uh, you know, have had some successes. So uh, it's just a good look at how they did it and, and, and why it worked. Tucker Doherty, healthcare reporter at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day. 
day. Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.